Morning, guys. Worship team did a great job leading us this morning, didn't they? They did. But their goal, our goal always is, okay, we want you to engage God. We want you to feel His presence. We'd like you to honor Him with His presence. That's what, that's what our gathering is all about, isn't it? And I hope you got some of that this morning. Peace on earth. <laughs> Goodwill to men. That's the way I learned it growing up, right out of the King James Bible. Peace on earth. Goodwill to men. It's what the angels told the shepherds. It's part of the magic of Christmas, we thought. So we heard stories like this. 1914, World War I, it was the Western Front. Five months into the war, the British and the French and the Germans were already at kind of a stalemate in their trenches. Some places 100 yards apart, some places 50, some places as close as 30 yards apart, closer to each other than the walls of this room. In between was a no-man's land, killing fields. So what happened that first Christmas will blow your mind. They call it the Christmas truce. It was not an official truce. Rather, some of the soldiers on both sides decided not to shoot at each other for a while because it's Christmas right? So they allowed each other to enter into the no man's land, into the killing fields to bury their dead. They worked out some prisoner exchanges. Soldiers from both sides entered into the middle so they could exchange cigarettes, food, souvenirs. It's Christmas. There were actually reports of soccer games between soldiers of the two different sides, singing Christmas carols together, praying together, peace on earth. Goodwill to men in the middle of the war. Part of the magic of Christmas, right? One captain actually wrote this. It was published later. He said, it's Friday, Christmas Day. He said, we're having the most extraordinary Christmas Day imaginable, a sort of unarranged and quite unauthorized but perfectly understood and scrupulously observed truce exists between us and our friends in front. Funny thing is, it only seems to exist in this part of the battle line. On our right and our left, we can hear them firing away as cheerfully as ever. Things started last night, bitter cold night, white frost, soon after dusk when the Germans started shouting, Merry Christmas, Englishmen, to us. And of course, our fellows shouted back, and presently large numbers of both sides had left their trenches unarmed, met in that debatable, shot-riddled no-man's land between the lines. And here, the agreement, all on their own, came to be made we would not fire at each other until after midnight tonight. (laughs) So the men were all fraternizing in the middle. We naturally did not allow them too close to our line. We swapped cigarettes and lies in the utmost good fellowship, and not a shot was fired all night. Remarkable Christmas moment. Christmas truce. In fact, it inspired books and plays and operas and films and, and songs. In fact, Julie and I last week watched a remarkable movie about this truce called Joyeux Noël. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it in French. But these Christmas truces kind of lost steam, made the generals on both sides mad. They tried stamping them out. 
And they kind of lost their steam because, well, so many people were dying. It was a brutal, brutal war. And after a while, soldiers simply had no stomach for peace on earth. Goodwill to men. In fact, I read about a German unit that just a few months later on Easter tried to leave their trenches for a truce. The British warned them off. No peace on earth, no goodwill to men on Easter. All right? Have you ever heard of a band called U2? Of course you have. Bono. He wrote a song called Peace on Earth. He wrote it in 2000 right after a bombing in Northern Ireland that killed 29 people. The song gained steam after the attacks of September the 11th, 2001. Here's some of the words. Heaven on earth? We need it now. I'm sick of all this hanging around, sick of sorrow, sick of pain, sick of hearing again and again that there's going to be peace on earth. Jesus, can you take the time to throw a drowning man a line? Peace on earth? Tell the ones who hear no sound whose sons are living in the ground. Peace on earth? Jesus, in the song you wrote, the words are sticking in my throat. Peace on earth? Hear it every Christmas time. But hope and history don't rhyme. So what's it worth, this peace on earth? Bono said it was hard to be a believer that Christmas. Have you ever felt that? Been there? You kind of look around today and you see how fractured, how divided, how angry people are in our world. Peace on earth. Is it what Jesus came to bring? If he did, was he a magnificent failure? Well, maybe that's not what the angels were talking about. Now here's the scene. John actually unpacked the scene last week. Jerusalem is kind of the biggest city in Israel. Bethlehem is about five and a half miles to the south of Jerusalem. And somewhere out in the fields around Bethlehem, the shepherds are out guarding their sheep. And suddenly this angel shows up. We're told the whole place just kind of shone with light in a time well before electricity. Middle of the night. I suspect they wet their pants. It's not in their story, but I can't imagine it not taking place. You would. And this angel says, don't be afraid. Right. And the angel says, I'm here with good news. In fact, I'm here with great news, incredible news to anybody with a lick of sense. That's my paraphrase. Here it is. Your Savior, whether or not you think you need saving or not, your Savior, your Messiah, in other words, the one you've been waiting for, in fact, your Lord, if you really parse that out, your God, has been born today just a few hundred yards from here in that scrawny little village over there called Bethlehem. Believe it or not, your Savior, your Messiah, your Christ, your Lord, your God is over there in that town dressed like a baby lying in a feeding trough. Bet you didn't see that one coming. And in case you're not convinced, this story is so crazy, suddenly this whole army of angels shows up. I mean, one angel would make you wet your pants. 
And suddenly there's this whole army of angelic warriors, which is kind of what these angels were, and they're all praising God because that's what angels do, and they're saying, here it is, glory to God in the highest heaven. No kidding. And peace on earth, then what? To those with whom God is pleased, that's different, isn't it? A lot of you guys use the NIV Bible. On earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. The Revised English Bible. On earth, peace to all in whom he delights. In fact, the only Bible that reads peace on earth, goodwill to men is the old King James. So what are these angels promising? What kind of peace on earth are they talking about and for whom? Got to know. And here's where the story gets more interesting. It's just a week later, and at that time, they would take the babies, if they could, to Jerusalem, to the temple for their bris, their circumcision. While they're there, they run into this very pious old man, holy man, by the name of Simeon. He latches onto Jesus. He starts praising God. He says, God, now I can die in peace, because here he is. Here he is. Savior, the light of the nations, the glory of Israel is right here. Then he says this. He says, this child, this Jesus, is destined to cause many in Israel to fall. And he's destined to call others in Israel to rise. He's been sent as a sign from God, and many will oppose him. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. In fact, he says, as a result, the deepest thoughts... The deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. Which is it? Peace on earth, goodwill to men or a divider, a provocateur destined by God to bring division? About 30 years later, Jesus stirs the pot with words that if you actually listen to them, actually think about them, they'll blow your mind. Jesus says this. He says, you think I came to bring peace on earth? Really? Is that why you think I'm here? No. In fact, in Greek, they've got different ways of saying no. And this isn't just no. This is heck no. In fact, he says from now on, even your families, even your families are going to be split apart by me three in favor of me, two against, two in favor of me, three against. He says a father is going to be divided against a son, a son against a father, a mother against her daughter, a daughter against her mother. Do you think these shutdowns and masks are polarizing? You think the election was polarizing, Biden and Trump? Those are children's squabbles, Jesus says, compared to the divisions that I'm going to provoke. Huh. So which is it? Peace on earth, goodwill to men, because it's Christmas. Or destined by God to provoke division, even tear apart rock-solid families. Or maybe we just don't get, we don't understand what the angels were trying to tell us. Because sometimes we don't listen very well. Sometimes we read our thoughts into their words. A lot of us grew up with the King James Bible and it kind of scarred us in a lot of different ways. It was a great Bible. King James was a great Bible in 1611. <laughs> it's the best there was. We understand the Greek better today than they did back then, and the English has changed so much. 
In the King James, the angels say, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill to men. In the NIV that a lot of you guys use, it's glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. In the NLT, a translation I use quite a lot when I preach because it reads so easily, glory to God in the highest heaven, peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Common English version, peace on earth to everyone who pleases God. Knox, peace on earth to men who are God's friends. In other words, it really isn't about peace on earth between men. It's really not about goodwill on earth between men, whether they're Jesus followers or not. It's not about can't we all get along. It's about peace with God when you accept His Son. It's about peace with God for anybody who bends their knees to Jesus. You see, here's the deal, guys. We have to choose peace. Choose peace. One of the best Bible scholars in the world right now put it like this. He says, the inferior text of Luke 2.14 in the King James has led generations of people celebrating Christmas to promote the false notion that Christ brings peace on earth, goodwill to men. Instead, Jesus promises peace on earth to men of goodwill, namely to those on whom his favor rests. Jesus does offer peace with God. But your choosing peace with God doesn't stop people from killing each other. Doesn't stop them from hating each other. Doesn't stop them from hating you. In fact, choosing peace with God will sometimes make you a target if you choose peace with God, it may tear apart your family. So are you willing to sacrifice what you love for the one we love more? Are you? Because you have to choose your peace. You're going to have to pick a side on this one, guys. You can't straddle the fence on this one. You're either for him or you stand against him. Choosing not, not to vote is a no vote in this one. Bend your knees, we're ready to go to war. You have to choose which side you want peace with. It's kind of like if you choose to befriend a Hatfield, you're going to kind of annoy the McCoys, right? Romeo the Montague marries Juliet, he's going to have trouble with the Capulets. If you choose to side with Itis, ISIS, you're pretty much required to treat Christians as infidels. If you choose UK, you're going to have to hate Duke, right? That's humor, not this year. <laughs> you see, when you choose to side with my enemy in this war, you become my enemy. And here it is, bottom line, we do live in a world that's at war with God. And so if you choose peace with this world, you choose war with God. If you choose peace with God, you're probably not going to find peace on earth and goodwill with men. So you're going to have to choose your peace. See, the kind of peace these angels were talking about is not a magical Christmas truce. It's not the kind of peace brought about by politicians or social action or technology or education. They're talking about peace with God through Jesus. And the question is, do you want peace with God more than you want peace with men? 
You want peace with God even more than you want peace with your husband or wife. Children, your best friend. Are you willing to sacrifice what you love for the truth and the grace of our God? By the way, guys, any peace that we try to build without him is fragile. Peace with God is forever. And any real peace that's going to be inside of your soul that is going to last is going to have to start with peace with God. And any kind of peace with men that is going to last is going to be built on peace with God. About 60 years ago, that was way before my time. That's humor. You can chuckle. Canadian missionary by the name of Don Richardson took his wife and a six-month-old kid to work with the Sawi tribe in western New Guinea, Papua New Guinea. That's an island just north of Australia, big island, huge. At the time that he went, he had no clue that carrying his son, his six-month-old son, was a sign of peace to these Sawi. They were cannibalistic headhunters, and they welcomed him, or at least they wanted the tools that he brought with him. So they helped him learn their very, very complex language. They listened as he told them the story of Jesus. What Richardson didn't expect was their admiration of Judas. In the Jesus story, Judas was the hero. You see, these cannibals valued deceit. They valued treachery, and Judas was a master of both. In fact, the Saudi would actually try to persuade an enemy to become their friend so they could kill and eat him later. The more complex the plan, the more heroic the treachery. So Judas was the hero. Jesus was the dupe of the story. Richardson was working for people, with people from three different Sawi tribes. They all lived close to each other, and tribes were constantly at war with each other. In fact, some of the squabbles they were having were over the Richardsons. They wanted to be closest to them so that they could have better access to the tools they brought. So the Richardsons threatened to leave to stop some of the fighting. Sawis didn't want them to leave, so they promised to make peace. How do people who are treacherous and deceitful make peace? How's that going to happen? Well, apparently they had a custom. They called the custom the peace child. They even had a ceremony and everything that went along with it. Each tribe would give their enemy village a baby. And as long as that baby lived, it was the peace child, and they'd honor the peace. Why? I don't know. But for some reason, it was their tradition. While the baby lived and it had to be treated well, they would honor the peace. Well, how would you feel if they chose your baby to give to your enemy? Would you give up your baby to make peace with an enemy tribe? They scheduled the ceremony, and apparently one man tried to take his baby to his enemies, and one of his family members ran and snatched the baby back. Not my kid. Second father started out with his baby, and he changed his own mind, and he turned around and went back. Not my child. Then a young dad picks up his six-month-old son and begins running towards his enemies. His wife chased after him, not my kid, but she trips and falls. So he makes it to the enemies and hands his baby over. And he asks his mortal enemy, will you plead the words of my tribe among your people? And the guy looks at him and said, yes, I will. 
The father said, then I give you my son, my name. And apparently the members of the tribe filed back and each one of them touched the baby and they took one of their babies and gave it to the father's tribe and they filed by and touched the baby and they were honor bound to honor that child and keep the peace. Richardson was mystified. How does this work? So they explained to him, you've been urging us to make peace. Don't you know it's impossible to have peace without a peace child? For some reason, these treacherous cannibals believed that if a man would actually give his own son to his enemies, that man could be trusted. So Richardson had his epiphany. Can't you see that's who God is? Can't you see that's what God did? Don't you understand that a God who would give us his own son can be trusted? In fact, he says, any man who accepts God's peace child will never need to offer a human peace child again. And they got it. That time they got it. These Saudi got it. They, in fact, they actually built the largest circular building in the world with unmilled poles so they could meet together as Christians. It's their church. They filmed a documentary a few years ago. It was called Never the Same. It's 50 years later, and Richardson and his child, no longer a baby, his sons went back to visit the Sawi, and the Sawi were not only Christian, they were actually out there spreading the gospel of Jesus. They were evangelizing. They were greeted by between two and 3,000 Jesus followers, and they baptized 50 more. <laughs> Jesus, God's peace child, I wish we had treated Jesus the way they treated their peace children. You see, in their culture, the peace child was honored and cared for it. In their culture, the gift had to be reciprocated. You see, you give us one of yours, we'll give you one of ours, and it was a transaction between equals. A lot of difference in the Jesus story. Way different. God sends his son as a peace child. We rejected him. We murdered him as cruelly as we could. And it wasn't just the Jewish leaders and the Roman soldiers. It was our sins, our sins that took him to that cross. And the father knew what was going to happen. In fact, the father sent his son not to be treated well, but to die. He was born to die. That's Christmas, guys. Sent his son to die. And we celebrate it. Christmas isn't just about a manger, it's about a cross. It's about peace with God, one through a cross. But you have to choose your peace. With whom will you be at peace? Now guys, we're not a liturgical church. We don't have a lot of rituals like some churches do where you've got to learn when to kneel and when to stand and when to pray and how to cross and that stuff. I'm not dissing that stuff. I think it's kind of cool. It's just not who we are here. But every once in a while, we do some liturgical stuff. In fact, this month, we're using the Advent wreath. Each week, we light a candle along with churches all over our world. This morning, just for today, you don't have to memorize this, but just for today, I'm going to add one more liturgical piece. 
A lot of churches call it passing the peace. And if you've got a Roman Catholic background or a liturgical church background, you've done it before many times. One Jesus follower says to another something like this, peace be with you. And what do you answer? And also with you. May God's peace be with you. God's peace. May God's peace be with you. And also with you. Because it's in the Bible, guys. Right before Jesus was arrested, he says to his disciples, he says to us, peace I leave with you, my kind of peace. I don't give you the kind of peace the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. It's there if you choose it. And so the Apostle Paul opens up nearly every one of his letters with something like this, grace to you and peace, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ because that's where grace is found and that's where peace is found. So some churches, well, they give each other a hug or a handshake and they'll pass the peace. May God's peace be with you and your brother or sister answers and also with you. How cool is that? We can't give each other handshakes and hugs, maybe a fist bump or a foot tap. But we can say the words. So let's try it. May God's peace be with you. Thank you. Apostle Paul put it like this. He says, through Jesus, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. If you have your communion cup, you might get it ready. I should have grabbed this earlier because I find it difficult sometimes to get into these things. Do you? Whether you're online or in person. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and he gave God thanks for it. And he broke the bread into pieces and he said, this, Jesus said, is my body which is broken for you, given for you. Do this in memory of me. In the same way, took a cup of wine after supper and he said this cup is a new covenant between God and his people represents an agreement confirmed by my blood he says remember me as often as you drink it now may God's peace be with you Two weeks ago, John talked about hope. Last week, he talked about joy. Here's the deal. When you choose peace with God, you get hope. When you choose peace with God, you get joy. We can't create peace on earth, goodwill to men, as long as this world is ruled by sin. But you can accept peace with God through Jesus, his Son. And when you do that, you can discover a peace within and a hope and a joy that nothing can shake. 
In fact, a hope and a joy that makes no sense in a world as chaotic as ours. And when you choose his peace, you have the foundation for a peace with other Jesus followers that is inexplicable to a world that is at war with God and ruled by sin. So have you chosen peace with God? That's the question. Are you a Jesus follower? Are you willing to sacrifice what you love, if necessary, for what you love more? If you're not a Jesus follower yet, we need to talk. That's what Christmas is all about. Christmas is about peace with God. If you haven't discovered that peace with God, I'm going to sit right down over there during the next couple of songs to the rest part of the service or after the service. Please come down and let's chat. If you want to go, there's a prayer room in the back. One of our elders is in that prayer room. He's praying for you right now. If you want to go talk to him, we'll talk about peace with God. You can have that peace with God this morning. Would you pray with me? Father, for Jesus, we give you thanks for the peace that he has made possible for us. We give you thanks. I pray that you give us the wisdom and the courage to be children of God. In the name of Christ, we pray these things. Amen.